The Jericho Network on Westwood One. This is One on One with Mitch LaFond, the podcast where the rockers talk, part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. Now, here's your host, Mitch LaFond. Welcome to One on One with Mr. Fauna. Joining me on this episode, it is singer Graham Bonnet. We talk about his new The Book album. We also look back on his career since you've been gone. Rainbow, Alcatraz, Michael Schenker, and a lot more. Before checking out Graham, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, One on One, Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and PayPal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon, should you care to support the podcast. And with that... Here is the one, the only, one of the greatest voices in rock, Sir Graham Bonnet. We are speaking with Graham Bonnet. The new album is The Book, coming out in November. A pleasure to speak with you, Graham. Hi, it's nice to be spoken to. Yes. How are you? Good. <laughs> Absolutely um, a, a thrill for me to speak to somebody who has such a long history in rock, a long pedigree going, boy, all the way back to 1968 is when you first got started, right? Uh, yeah, that'll be, uh, my cousin and I were in a, a, a duo, we were called The Marbles, a horrible yes. name, I know, but um, <laughs> we had a, a record out, back in 1968, it was called Only One Woman, and uh, it was written by the Bee Gees for us, especially because my cousin used to work with the Bee Gees when he lived in Australia. He was a guitar player, come backing vocalist, whatever, but he has his own career, but uh, it was because of Barry Gibb and uh, Robin and Morris that uh, I really got started into uh, the music business as such properly you know so thank you <laughs> i actually for uh, as a, as prep for this i was watching some of the old clips and yeah. uh, it, it was quite a quite amazing to see that you started doing that kind of duo thing with the acoustic guitars and then ended up singing for rainbow and for all these other bands <laughs> but uh, yeah i know who'd have thought it huh? <laughs> right so 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 let's talk about the book uh, and the new music first, and then we'll get to the re-recorded classics after. Okay. Um, sitting down, you know, you've done all these different bands. You're associated with a certain style. Um, what did you want to put together with this album? What was sort of the vision going into it? Well, I wanted it to be, you know, the continuity to be sort of correct, the right way to go, the right path to take, the right road to take, whatever it may be. I didn't want it to sound too sort of obscure and weird, um, because at, at first thought, I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do, let me make up something that's really kind of jazzy and weird and strange chords and stuff like that. But then I realized I, I can't really do that on, on an album like this. So I stuck pretty much to the direction that I took with, um, let's say, the second album of um, Alcatraz with uh, Steve Vai when he was our guitar player. I tried to think in, in that kind of mode where songs would be kind of modern sounding but uh, still have a little touch of maybe the 1980s in there as well. But I, I was very wary of, you know, the people that do actually listen to what I've done, you know, so I have to please the people that are listening. You know? And so that's what I tried to do. And I hope I did okay. And you hope you did okay. How important is it for you at this stage to actually create new music? Because you could go out there and put your name up on the marquee and say, hey, it's an evening of Alcatraz and all these other bands mm. that I've been in. Um, why the need to actually go through the effort of putting together new music? Well, well, because I got so fed up with just doing that, you know, with going out and just, like, doing karaoke or something. I, I know everybody knows uh, the songs, and I've played with so many different musicians over the past 
God, however many years it is since I left Rainbow and Alcatraz ended, and uh, it's getting, it was getting a bit stale, you know, so I thought, I'd, why not have a new band and start uh, recording again and with new songs? Because uh, I'm always making up some music or other all the time, every day. You know, there's something in my head. But then they have to go on the road and sing the same old Since You've Been Gone and All Night Long, whatever it may be. But that's okay. That's okay. But I wanted to show myself, apart from, you know, people who may listen to what I've done, uh, that um, there's still, I've got a lot of songs inside, you know, that I need to release, I guess. And um, it never ends. I'm always creating something, always coming up with an idea or a story or a riff or a chord sequence. I I never stop uh, writing. I guess it drives me mad sometimes. I can't sleep because of it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was speaking to Gary Shea yesterday. He happens to yeah. be a friend of mine, and he was talking about how in 2017 there's going to be a Graham Bonnet band show, and there'll also be a special Alcatraz set. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that event, and is that something that you hope to do more of? Do you, do you hope to get back on the road and do more Alcatraz? I, I don't think we'd be back on the road to do more Alcatraz. It is a sort of a reunion-ish thing we, we've talked about for a couple of months now, and uh, that seems pretty cool because my band will be playing, and then maybe Gary and... Uh, because Jim, at this point, we're talking about next year, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2017. So yeah, at this point, Jimmy Waldo might actually be in the band physically, my band, uh, because he played keyboards on the album. And um, But for this sort of get-together, it's just going to be a one-off. And um, I, I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but I want to, if I can, get away from the Alcatraz kind of vibe. <laughs> it's, it's been too long, 30 years of singing the same songs, same as Rainbow. But I know I have to do them. There are certain songs I will never... Uh, you know, take out of the set. They're always going to be there. There's always going to be certain Alcatraz songs that we're going to have to do. We do quite a lot now. But um, I I really want to record new songs, and I I have like two albums in my head right now that I I want to get on with next, you know. Is there, is there, because I sense there's a sort of a frustration of of doing some of the older material. Is there a frustration? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because it's... um, Oh, you want to mess it on? You know what I mean? You get bored with anything eventually, and it's um, you, you lose the enthusiasm for a song. That's that's one thing. When when you first record something, you want to make it special and do the best you can. You know, sing it the best you can, play it the best you can, and um, you know it's um, the enthusiasm sort of leaves you after about thirty years of singing the same bloody song. So, like, oh my God, here we go again. But. Now I see that people do enjoy those songs still, and they're kids. You know, you're getting young people coming to the, the shows, and they're teenagers, and you think, how the hell do they know these songs? So I, I've got to incorporate, you know, the old stuff with the brand new stuff. We're, we're going to do, from the new album, probably three, three new tunes, and um, the rest will be a bit of uh, MSG or um, Alcatraz or Rainbow, you know. A bit of everything. Bit, a bit of everything. Now, yeah, uh, yeah. you did, of course, Assault Attack with Michael Schenker, and the album came out. There was supposed to be a tour. It didn't go as planned. But recently, uh, you got to come back and, and sing with Michael at sort of the Michael Schenker Fest. Um, yeah. uh, talk to me about that event, and, and is it somewhat cathartic to finally say, okay, we, we've put this sort of bugaboo behind us, and, you know. Yes. 
Okay. Oh, it was it was a great, it was a great relief actually getting through the first rehearsal because I thought after all the the bullshit that went down back way back then, you know, when I destroyed myself on stage basically in front of a, a whole audience and started acting like a, a complete idiot when I and never got through the whole show and was fired from the band quite rightly so on the very first gig with MSG. Um, it was you know to actually look at Michael in the room and go. I'm actually singing this song all the way through with you. And uh, I saw the broad smile on his face and he said, we did it, Graham, we did it. <laughs> so it was like, oh, it was like yesterday, without, but without all the arguments and, you know, confrontations and whatever else w was going on at the time. Because back then I was a terrible heavy drinker and um, we all took a, a few too many chemicals it was a, a bit of a mess not just me the, the rest of the band too but I, I i was the one that messed up mostly because of the, the first gig but to play with michael now again is it, fantastic i played with him now uh this year probably three times is that a relationship that because of sort of the history of it you want to explore more in the future and say, hey, maybe we should try sort of an assault attack number two, or maybe we should try a 15-show run, or you've sort of been there, done that, and, you know, good on you, mate. Let's, let's keep moving. Yeah. I mean, I, w I wouldn't mind doing an album. That'd be great. But, you know, my main uh, thing now is my own, you know, band. Uh, this, I, I want to develop, a, you know, a, a lot more than it's already and, you know, experiment a little bit more with uh, songwriting, etc. But to, to do something with Michael recording-wise, uh, I've done a couple of things with him uh, in the past, over the past few years, and um, it, it's great. I mean, he's such a great um, writer. He's very unusual for a guitar player. He doesn't, what I call, show off too much. He's very much song-oriented, you know, so he, he puts all the sections of a song together, and they sometimes take a left turn when you think they're going to go straight ahead. So he's, um, he's a very clever player, really is, and I'd love to do something recording-wise. Yeah, yeah, Michael's great. Um, earlier, earlier this month in October, a couple of albums that you did in the 90s got re-released as expanded editions, Blackhorn, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Blackthorn, Afterlife, yeah. and then the second one that had never come out, but Don't Kill the Thrill, uh, got yeah. released also. Um, talk to me about that, those albums, because you, you mean it was sort of a super group. You had uh, Bob Kulik, who had you know played on the Kiss albums, without, yeah. you know without, any, without anybody knowing. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Frankie Benelli, Chuck Wright, mm -hmm. uh, which essentially are, are Quiet Riot now. Yeah, um, yeah. Talk to me about those albums and. Uh, and what happened? Why didn't the band continue? Well, it was uh, it was a very difficult time. I can tell you that we we were. Um, I wasn't sure it was the right way to go. I didn't particularly like some of the songs we were writing. I wasn't sure that they were good enough or bad enough or whatever or heavy enough or light enough, whatever it may be. And it was a long. I spent. Let me think. It was about eight months away from my wife and kids at the time. And um, it was awful to be away that long and t doing a few gigs here and there and also recording. <clears throat> and we had a, a disagreement on how I should sing songs or whatever. They should be sung this way or that way, the way the, the voice should sound. And I, I just said to uh, Bob, he was one that was kind of like, you've got to sound like this guy. No. I said, look, Bob, it's me singing. I, I can only sound like me. And um, the, we just didn't get on very well in, in that respect. Uh, apart from that, he's a great player, no, no damn doubt. And the band was good, you know. But um, 
there was a little bit of a you know friction between he and I, and that's the reason it didn't carry on. I was living in Australia at the time. Um, I lived there for about three years, and so the commute was huge to come back and rehearse with Blackthorn in L.A. So it became like a natural thing to do. It was like, I can't do this anymore. It's killing me. You know, I was never home. And the kids were missing me. They were very young at the time. And I was missing them. I was missing feeling comfortable and not being told how to sing in a, a stylized way that I didn't want to do. Um, and so I just said, well, I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm going to stay in Australia and become an Australian citizen or something. But it, it just wasn't working out, you know, unfortunately, because the band was great. Yeah, and and I've I've actually listened to both expanded editions that came out earlier this month, and they sound absolutely phenomenal. Whoever cleaned them yeah. up did a spanking job. I mean, they, they sound yeah. great, and it's it's almost a shame that there's not a third album or or another version. Yeah. Because anyway, um, some of the guitarists you've yeah. played with, we've mentioned Michael Schenker, we just mentioned Bob. Uh, mm. Of course, Richie Blackmore, Ingve Momsen, Steve Vai, uh, yeah. Vivian Campbell, and, and um, Slash on uh, The Day I Went Mad. Um, yeah. Talk to me about some of those guitars. Is there, and I know it's an unfair question, but is there one of them that his, is favorite to you, that where you just, your voice and, and his guitar just, it just works? Um, yeah. I think there's two, actually. Okay. There are two people I loved. Uh, Michael is one, and Steve Vai is the other. Um, because they are more creative in their writing, you know, because a lot of the times I get a, you know, a, a, a chord sequence from a guitar player, that, you know, and then you put a lead vocal on it or whatever. And um, they're very much into the songwriting and how the vocal should fit. And Steve was very, very good with that. I mean, I worked with him every day on, on the second album we did. And uh, but with Michael, he just said, Graham, do whatever you like. Michael would send me a track that was probably like 10 minutes long, which we'd have to edit down to, you know, at least four or something. But he had all these great sections, which I would say, we should keep this bit, keep this bit, I can put a nice melody on that or whatever. But those two, I think, are, to me, are the most creative guitar players for whatever reason. They're just, there's something they have that a lot of guitar players don't have. They can all go really, you know, literally all over the place, play fast and all the rest of it. But then there's the thoughtful guy who actually structures a song in a really good way. Yeah, and, 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 and it's got to be exciting to play with all those guys as well. Yeah. Um, oh, for, oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all of those guys. I mean, I, I can't say anybody's the favorite, really. Right, it's but not I, fair. I enjoyed writing tunes more with those two guys because it was, I don't know, it just sort of came easier to me. We're both on the same page, I think. Um, 1976, Russ Ballard released an album called Winning, which had Since You've Been Gone on it, and it didn't really do a lot for him. It's really sort of become your song. Um, how did that song come to Rainbow? You know, did Russ submit it, or did you guys just hear it and say we should cover this? And, and, and sort of walk me sort of through the history of how it's just become... Your, I mean, you did it with Alcatraz, you did it with uh, Impellery, which I can never pronounce, and all the... Impellery, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I know. Really, <laughs> I mean, you, when, you have, when you have a rock band name, it's got to be like mm. Coke or Pepsi, or he's got... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Impellery, what the hell's that? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Uh, uh, talk to me about that song and, and, and how it, it exists and, yeah. and how it came oh. to be, and, and just... Because it really... Beca you know, nobody thinks it's Russ Ballard's song, it's... No. It's Graham Bonnet's song. It's your it's song. It's Rainbow. Right. Yeah, I, I know. Well, what, what happened was it was uh, the um, 
the great idea of uh, Bruce Payne, the manager of the band, saying to, to Richie and the rest of the guys, before I even joined the band, this was all planned way before I got the job with the band, you know, that all the tunes have been recorded, a lot of the tunes have been recorded, except for Since You've Been Gone. And he had this idea that um, it was about time Rainbow were played on the radio. Because the, 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 nobody knew who Rainbow was. They knew who Deep Purple was, kind of thing, but nobody knew Rainbow. And so this was a very radio-friendly song. And uh, we heard a version of it by a girl band called Clout. And I, I, I heard, I thought, no, <laughs> really? And it was left till, like, last. It was the last thing we did before, you know, we actually put it down. And then uh, he, he was right. Bruce Payne was absolutely right. It broke the band, I think. It made everybody listen. And um, as you say, now that has become, even though Russ wrote it, it's become a rainbow song. It's very recognizable and very sing-alongable, but it's a, a great pop song that we did our own spin on, you know? Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's been sort of the cornerstone to, to everything you've, you've done in a sense, and yeah. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just, no, it's just I understand a, what you're saying. Right. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. a powerful song. Let's look, yeah. at, let's look at Down to Earth for a second. Um, so you, got, you, get the, you get the gig, you get the job, you get hired. Um, yeah. Going into the band, you know, they had Ronnie James Dio. They had sort of that, that sound going. What was your take on it? Were you just, I'm going to come in here and just sort of be Ronnie number two? Or did you say, okay, let's, we're going to change this. We're going... Mm. How did you see yourself coming into Rainbow? What was sort of your role or your expectations? Yeah. Well, I, I, I heard, the, I didn't know who Rainbow was, as I'm saying. You know, they were never on the radio and stuff like that, like Deep Purple were. So I had to go out and buy Rainbow albums because I was going for this audition. I had no idea who Rainbow were, what kind of music they played, or nothing. So I learned one song called uh, Mistreated, which wasn't really a Rainbow song, but it, it was called Mistreated. That was my audition piece. And I listened to the rest of the album, and I thought, well, this is not really what I'm into. I don't, I don't sing this way. I don't sing those kind of songs about, um, you know, wizards and whatever it may be, you know, castles and dragons and mystical beings, you know. If I sing a song, it's usually about love or something very simple and straightforward, nothing, uh, you know, nothing too mystical. And um, I thought I wouldn't fit. But I went over there on an audition. They gave me a job. I looked wrong for a start. I didn't have the hair and the stuff. The uniform of um, a so-called heavy metal or heavy rock singer. I didn't wear that gear. I, I wore the 1950s suit with a tie. And um, I was into R&B and pop music. But what happened was Richie heard, he remembered me from um, my first record, uh, Only One Woman, back in 1968. And they were listening to some tracks when they were um, recording in Switzerland, and he said, well, what's happened to this guy? And Roger Glover happened to be working with one of my friends, Mickey Moody, a guitar player, and um, they got in touch with me, and I, that's how I got the audition. But I, but I thought I was totally wrong. So I went back home to London, and uh, they said, are you, when are you coming back? I said, what do you mean I've got the job? They said, you, you got the job after you sang that song first time through, because they made me sing it three times, <laughs> just to make sure, I guess. But it was, um, God, I'm glad I did, because it opened a whole new world for me, to be honest with you, a whole new uh, genre of music. Looking back on your career, as you've, as you've gone through these different bands and stuff, um, are you overall satisfied with the career you had, or 
or is there something that you're still looking for and still striving for? Mm. You still want to to be mm. this kind of singer or that? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in the in the last category there. I, I'm still looking for that guy that I'm really comfortable with, um, and it's. Um, uh, Rainbow was very close, and uh, Alcatraz is very close, some of it. Um, but I'm always looking to do something that isn't sort of the norm, you know, a little bit un- unexpected. Um, because I love R&B music. I love that kind of stuff. And um, pop music, if it's a good pop song, I love pop songs. I love all music. And um, when you're in a so-called heavy rock band, you're kind of stuck in that drawer of being heavy rock singer, and that's it. But I, I am a singer, period, you know, and... That's it. I'm a singer. And I'll sing whatever you put in front of me, basically, if, if I like it. And if I can make up a song that's really interesting to me and I can put it out there, I, I will do that, you know. In fact, what I'm doing now is working on some songs that are, aren't so-called heavy. A couple of them are. But um, the rest of them are very probably jazz-influenced and um, uh, sort of straight rock-influenced, not necessarily heavy rock. But because I, I want to make an album like I did... Uh, possibly in the like in the seventies, before I joined Rainbow, I had some solo albums that I did like a little bit of every kind of music. I'd like to do something like that again. In fact, going back, uh, just since you mentioned the solo career <coughs> in the yeah. in, you know from the seventies, do you at all regret having joined Rainbow and Alcatraz and gotten away from being Graham Bonnet and and sort of become, you know, the guy in that band? <laughs> or are you glad that you made those moves? Oh, yeah, I'm glad. I mean, so it was a good move. I mean, at the awesome. time, I didn't think it was. You know, but my manager in London, when I joined Rainbow, he said, you've got to do this, it's perfect for you. I said, but I'm not, I don't fit. <laughs> he said, you will. And um, eventually, I guess I did. And uh, it was Alcatraz I put together in my garage. And that was something, that was a labor of love, putting that band together. You know, me and Jimmy Waldo and Gary Shea. And um, it started with the three of us. And whether, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for something new. I haven't found it quite yet, but I, I probably should have stayed with Rainbow another year or two and not quit like I did, and uh, probably should have stuck with Alcatraz a bit longer. But it fell apart because we lost our guitar player, you know. Yeah. Uh, we lost all our guitar players. They all went on to uh, higher reaches and whatever, became guitar heroes. Guitar heroes. What can I say? Bloody guitar players, damn it. I know, they always, they always have to move along. So let, let's I just, know, yeah. So they all get their solo careers and they, they don't need the band anymore. But I've got to say, like we mentioned before, you, you, you've got an incredible sort of golden hand. Anybody who sort of stood ne- you know, to the right of you on the stage who played guitar became the next big thing. So if I was a new guitar player, I'd want to go be in your band for a couple of months. Just <laughs> okay. <laughs> but well, I hope, uh, hope that works. I mean, no, I hope that doesn't work, in fact. I want to, I want to keep a guitar player for a change. Right, you, sort of, um, uh, you know, so I'm leaving next week, I've got a solo to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you want to keep Conrado in the band with you? Yeah, I, I'd like to keep this band together <laughs> for, for at least another year. <laughs> it, it, would, it would be nice. No, I'd like to keep it together permanently. Right. Because I think um, we're all learning from each other. We're all developing some kind of a sort of a band sound. And if people keep leaving, that sound goes as well. It goes you know? as well. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and let's finish with that, with with the book. Uh, let's look at the second disc, the re-records. Um, mm. w- was it important for you to sort of reappropriate those songs and put sort of your stamp and, and this band's stamp on those songs and say, hey, these, these are ours now? 
Yeah, well, it was important for the band uh, to actually put their their stamp on the on the song. But for me personally, it was hard work to actually say, "I really, I'm going to record this and make it sound like it did when I was 30 years old." And I had all the enthusiasm of a 30 year old guy singing "Since You've Been Gone" again, you know, um, which I've been singing songs, as you know, for like 30 something years, every night, you know. And it's like, oh damn. Um, now I've got to record it and put it under the microscope and make sure the vocal is, is good or uh, as good, near as good as it was in the past. And I, I can't listen to that, to be honest with you, this, the new recordings, because I always think the first recording is the best because that's when you have the most energy and you want to, the song to sound the best it can, so you put more effort into it. You know what I mean? And uh, it's hard to get that same inspiration again after all these years. But I've been told by people that have listened to it, it ain't too bad. Some of the tracks are better than others, but um, I've been told it's pretty okay. Yeah, in fact, but the band I, is the most important thing. I, I've had a chance to listen to it, and I think it sounds great. I mean, take away the fact that it says, you know, these are re-records. You could actually yeah. think this is a second CD of 16 songs by this band. And, oh, okay. you know, and uh, listen, I, I think it sounds great. And since you just mentioned your voice and you didn't sound, you know, you were concerned about sounding like you were 30 years ago. Is yeah. your voice a concern these days in the sense that, you know, as we all get older, we, we don't yeah. run as fast. We don't throw a baseball right. as fast. Do, do you have concerns on your voice? Do you do anything to sort of keep it in top shape? No. I, I've always had concerns with my voice ever since I was a kid <laughs> because it, it's not always there, you know. And um, I sing with great gusto, as you probably know. And um, it's, um, it's loud and unnatural the way I sing sometimes. And, it, of course, it ruins my voice sometimes. I get, I get a, you know, a croaky throat or whatever. And, of course, um, I, I use a lot of lung power. And being, I, I'm asthmatic. And being asthmatic and using the, the lung power I do sometimes the notes don't quite place in the in the right area where they should be. You know, if I lose air, uh, a note will go out of tune or it will croak or whatever. But I don't look after myself the way I should probably. But I, I'm always, my voice hasn't changed. I've been very lucky. I can still sing the way I did, more or less, I think. If anything, my voice has gotten a little stronger. And um, it's kind of cool that that's happened at my age, you know. It's um, very rewarding because a lot of my peers have quit singing altogether because they've, you know, they've lost the, the vibe, the thrill of singing. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, I know you have an interview coming up in two minutes, so, so thank you for today, yeah. and, and hopefully we'll see you in Canada at some point. I hope so. It's one place I've never been. I'd love to be there, to come there. I'd love to bring the band. Absolutely. Well, we, I certainly can point out a couple of clubs that, that I know that I can get you over, so we'll, 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 well keep in contact. Absolutely. Yeah, let, let, let us know, because that's always interesting to us, because we're trying to play more in the States as well, and uh, we've lost contact. I've lost contact with a lot of people here, because that's why we're always playing overseas. And we need to play more here, and, and Canada never been there. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, so please give me touch with our manager. I guess you've got his, yeah, absolutely. There, his uh, email and everything. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a silent partner in a club up here, so uh, we, we can make something okay. happen, that, that's for sure. Oh, that'd Kramer, be great, man. Absolute pleasure, and uh, I do. Okay, yeah, likewise. Uh, I do need to see this band live, and and I do sort of recommend to anybody listening, uh, buy this album, the book. It is really, really good stuff. I've I've heard the whole thing, and uh, it's another home run. It's another Graham Bonnet home run. <laughs> Thank you. That's really nice of you to say that. Thank you. Thank you, Graham, and uh, we'll talk All soon. All right, bud.
Bye-bye now. All right. Take care now. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. My chat with a singer, Graham Bonnet. The new album is The Book. Please do check that out. I have, and it's quite, quite spectacular. While you're checking stuff out, please check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, Facebook, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon, should you care to support the podcast. And with that, I bid you a fond farewell. Bye for now. Oh, my. <laughs>